Okay. How's everybody doing? Good. God is so good. All the time. It is that temperature where the air conditioner can't kick, kick on and the heat's it's too hot. I'm burning up. Y'all are cold. I am burning up. I've got the, we've got the sun shining right on us right here. It has uh, lit me up. Well, glory. So glad you're here this morning. You glad to be here? God is so good. God is so good. Thankful I didn't break my sister's guitar right then. I got my hung my leg hung in it and kicked it over. That wouldn't have been good. God's good. I shared this morning, kind of felt like the Lord was showing me something this morning, and it's going to be a football analogy. So for you non-football fans, hang in there with me. I think there's a story here for you. And I feel like the Lord has kept talking to me about it even since first service. But my son and I had the opportunity to go to the UT football game last night. And back in the day, back in the Peyton Manning day, we used to have uh, season tickets. And I used to be a pretty big UT fan. I still am. I'm, I'm, a, UT, I'm a football fan. But uh, got down there and was getting to watch the game and uh, could not believe some of the calls the coach was making. I mean, it was just um, very uh, non-conservative. First half of the game, they're up seven points or so, got a fourth and three in their own in, in on their own side of the field, and it's probably going to lose a few of you, but they would go for it. Big risk play that early in the game. They made it. Then it happened again, and he did it again. Then they did an onside kick up 14 to nothing and got the ball but was offsides and had to re-kick it. And I was sitting there thinking, what is he doing? What is wrong with him? When Philip Fulmer was there, I used to fuss about him being completely conservative. Never would take a risk ever. Never. You could, you could pretty much predict what play he was going to call. This guy, we're having a struggling year, um, playing extremely liberal. And you know what the Lord started to show me is, you're not happy with anything. You're not happy when they're conservative, and you're not happy when they're not. So then, and this was this morning as I was getting ready, started thinking about the Titans and how I've been fussing on the Titans. I'm a Kerry Collins fan, but they've been struggling. Then they put in uh, Vince Young. Fuss with Vince Young, I fuss with Kerry Collins. The Lord said, you fuss about it all. Quit fussing. It doesn't even impact you at all. And here you are complaining all the time. And I started to realize I wouldn't be happy if my ice cream was cold. And I'm not a relatively pessimistic person. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I'm a, hey, I'm glad the sun's up. We're going to have a great day. But here I am fussing on stuff that has nothing to do with me. And then it, after second service, I started thinking about it. And it's what we do to our leadership. It's what we do to the president. He can't do anything right. If he does it one way, we fuss at him. If he does it the other way, we fuss at him. How much impact do you have on that? Zero. The only impact you've got is to pray for him. And you have full impact when you pray for him. Let me tell you, one man praying can change a nation. We saw Moses pray for the children of Israel. God says, I'm just going to wipe them out. Moses, I'm done with them. I'm going to start you a whole new nation. Sounds pretty good. What does Moses say? No, God, don't do it. Don't do it. One man stood for that nation. 
It's the same thing with the things that we're going through, with our bosses, with our marriage, with all this stuff that we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I bet most of the stuff you're fussing about has nothing to do with you. It doesn't impact you on any, on any, on any level. Have you ever noticed, have you ever been in church and you fuss about things in church that have nothing to do with you? You just fuss or at work or at home. I can remember me being completely tore up in this church over an issue that had nothing to do with me. And it almost cost me. It it, it started to um, risk my walk with God. And it had nothing to do with me. Finally, the Lord says, what does that have to do with you? Focus on me, God says. Focus on me. Who cares what Jeff Fisher does? Who cares what Lane Kiffin does? Who cares what your boss does? Focus on me. You can't control your boss. If you control your boss, you're manipulating and you're outside of God's will. You will not be blessed. Elizabeth said this to me. that She was preaching at me the other day in the bathroom. And she said, I'm preaching a lot better than you're receiving. She said, I'm taking this from your school of thought. This is what you say. But in every area of life, we fuss. Nothing can be right. And it's everybody else's fault. None of it is my fault. None of it's my fault. It's all somebody else's fault. And it's the reason my life's where it's at. Fooey. You ever see that that, uh, cartoon back in my day, Hong Kong Fooey? I guess you've got to watch TV land. I guess it may come on now. I don't know if it does or not. But phooey. All right, that's going to apply directly to where we are today, if you'll allow it to. All right, what are the odds? This is where we've been. Are the odds stacked against you? We've been looking for the last three weeks about how when things are all going against you, how do you make it? Does that re- anybody relate? Things against you? Seems like the deck of cards is stacked for you to lose in your life. We've seen in the last few weeks the name of God, Jehovah Nisi. I am the God who defends you. Literally, I am the Lord, your banner. What's great to know is, is these things that you are up against, when you line up with God, those enemies that are coming against you know God's coming. They know they're defeated if you will hang in there with God. You remember the children of Israel when they were uh, delivered into the desert and they had to wait there 40 years, those that were occupying the promised land knew they were coming. They had already heard what had happened. And here they are for 40 years thinking, where are they? Man, would somebody please come and slay me because I'm tired of waiting. They're sitting there thinking, we've been afraid for years. They know you're coming. But it's time we start moving. God says, I will defend you when the odds are against you. We've been looking at a story, Second Chronicles chapter 20, about a king, Jehoshaphat. And it says that three armies were coming against him. Three armies were teaming up, three on one, against him. What did Jehoshaphat say? I'm afraid. We can't do this. Let's seek the Lord. He did this on the announcement that this was happening. Not in the middle of it. Not after he'd already been beaten down, but at the beginning. That's where we started. When you are up against the odds where it seems like nothing can go right, number one, we turn to God first. We turn to God first. Then, second, we talk 
to God. You know, we have seen in the last few weeks, we find prayer at the bottom of the line, not at the top. People say right now, we we need to pray about this. The other person says, what do you mean? Are you kidding me? Has it come to that? Are we that bad off that now we have to pray? Instead of it being the first thing that we do. When we find out we've got a problem, we talk to God. That's what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat said, wait a minute. Let's talk to God. Then finally, number three, this is where we start today. And if if I'm completely losing you, go back and download this. This is the last two weeks that I'm giving you these two points. Uh, Turn to God, talk to God. Number three, tell God exactly how you feel. The Lord's been dealing with me in the last few months about feelings. How you feel. And my personality, my makeup says, you know, I've had Elizabeth in the last few weeks say, how does that make you feel? And I react, what difference does that make? That doesn't compute with me. It really doesn't matter how I feel. It's what we've got to do. But no, how I feel does count. How you feel does count. And she needs she needs the feelings questions asked to her. How does that make you feel? Anybody with me this morning? How do you feel? You know, and Pastor Stephen and I, he's, he's been having me read a book called The Six Thinking Hats. And one of the hats you put on is feelings. How do you feel? How do you feel? Telling you, there are some weaknesses in my personality that need to be strengthened. There are weaknesses in your personality that need to be strengthened. And it's a cop out. You know, the one thing we don't need to do is when if you do a spiritual giftings class or if you do a uh, a personality kind of kind of test, what happens is we find out where our strengths are and then we have we tell everybody else they just have to deal with us because that's how we are. Well, I'm weak in that, so you're just going to have to deal with me in that way. No, you go through those things to find out where you're weak so you can strengthen them. I have some major flaws. Major flaws that need corrected. God desires me to be complete, whole. Not weak, but be strengthened in what he has given me and what he desires for me. Same thing with you. You may say, Pastor, I'm weak in administration. That doesn't mean you have to stay that way. You may say, Pastor, I'm weak in mercy or compassion. You don't have to stay that way. You just need to work on it. Maybe you're weak in encouragement. I'm not a great encourager. Well, either either I can learn to be an encourager or my employees can just be depressed all the time. It's not their fault. It's my fault. Because I'm not encouraging. Anyway, food for thought. All right. Tell God exactly how I feel. Let's look at this. Uh, Jehoshaphat says in Second Chronicles chapter 2, chapter 20, verse 12. He says, we are powerless against the mighty army that is about to attack us. He is telling God, I'm powerless. And let me tell you, this could be one of the most powerful statements that a king can make. I'm powerless. What is he doing? He is positioning himself correctly before God. We can't handle what we're up against. And you know what? It's like if you if you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, you need to finally admit you're an alcoholic. It really takes something for a man or a woman, a control freak or somebody that thinks they know what they're doing to say, I don't know what I'm doing. 
Don't raise your hand, but how many here would say as parenting, I don't know what I'm doing? <laughs> or raise your hand. <laughs> I don't. No, 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 I'm kidding. I said don't. Go ahead if you do it anyway. I don't know what I'm doing. It's okay. I'm called. I'm the one that's supposed to do it. Nobody else can do it better for my child than me. If I line up with God, it's going to be okay. I'm powerless when it comes to raising my kids. I'm powerless against what's going on out here in our society. But let me keep going. Have you ever felt like you're powerless? That the problem in your marriage, your career, or something in your life was so overwhelming that there was no way to succeed? You start off the week on Monday thinking, you know what? Maybe I can make it. But by Wednesday, it's like, nope, can't do it. Then by Friday, it's like, throwing the towel. I just want to give up. I can't do this. I don't want to go through another day, another week. Have you ever felt like that? You pick up the newspaper and you read and it looks like the bad guys are winning. Kids killing kids in school. More, the moral and spiritual climate of our society is collapsing. It looks like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. You say, God, we're powerless. We say as a church, God, we're powerless. We don't know what to do. And we tell God how we feel. It's interesting that if you compare verse 12 right here with verse 6. Verse 6 says, God, you have all the power in the world. He's saying where he's positioned. But earlier, if you remember, last week we talked about three ways to pray, three points for prayer. We find, we remember who God is, we remember what he's done, and we ask him for help. He has remembered who God is. God, I'm powerless, but you're not. Back in verse 6, he says, you have all the power in the world. It doesn't matter if I'm powerless, if God has power. If I put my trust in him, he will take care of me. I don't have to have power. And you don't either. And you don't have to pretend that you do. All you have to do is trust in the God who has all the power. You don't have it, but he does. Trust him. And that's where we come to step four. After you've turned to God first, you've told him about the situation, you tell him how you feel. Number four is you trust God to help you. The third part of verse 12 that we just read. Let's go back. It says we were powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. And we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Now he has not gone through this problem yet. This problem faces him. Yet he has properly aligned himself. And not only did he say we're powerless. But he said we don't know what to do. Many of you here are just treading water, trying to keep your head above above water. And there, it would take it would take a, a, an act of God for you to say, I don't know what to do. This is the king. And let me tell you, Jehoshaphat was a good king. Can you imagine how powerful it would be if Barack Obama said, I don't know what to do? But my eyes are on the Lord. That wouldn't be a weakening statement. That would be a powerful statement. Same thing for a husband. 
I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on the Lord. If you will allow yourself to receive, you're going to get something today. Not from Pastor Paul, not from anything that I can do for you, but God. We have looked so long for somebody else to rescue us from our problems, and we are looking at the wrong thing. We are powerless against these things that face us. We don't know what to do, but God, our eyes are on you. You need to trust God to help you. You need to not focus on your problems, but on God. And what happens, what happens to us is when we get overwhelmed, we get blinded by our problem. This is all we see. We have got to change our programming. Our programming has to change. When we're all overwhelmed, all we see is the problem and we do not look to God. We don't put our eyes on God. We put our eyes on the problem. Most people, when you say, how are you doing? How do they respond? Well, I'm okay under the circumstances. Why are you under the circumstances? Who put you under the circumstances? God didn't put you under the circumstances. You put you under the circumstances. It's time to change your positioning under the circumstances. You know what I can't stand? And I hope, I hope this doesn't hurt anybody because you may have said it to me. When I go up and say, hey, how's it going? I'm here. What does that mean? I can't stand it when I go into a restaurant to be served or, or go into a place of business and you shake somebody's hand. Hey, how's it going? Well, I'm here. Well, whoop-dee-doo. You don't have to be here. You can be here. You know what? It says the God of peace has put Satan under your feet. These circumstances that you have, if they're coming from Satan or if they're coming against you to take what's yours, let me tell you something. God has placed them under your feet, not over you. He has positioned you to tread on those problems, not to be treaded on. I told a story years ago about a, about a donkey that had fallen into a dried up well. 50 feet down or whatever. Got down in there and the owner just decided, you know what, I can't get him out. There's no way to pull him out without killing him or, you know, there's just no good way. And I needed to fill that in anyway, so just decided, let's just fill the well in. Started shoveling dirt into that well. The donkey started to figure out what was going on and started crying out. You know, Master, I've been good to you. I've worked the land for you. I've never kicked you. I've never done anything bad to you, and you're going to kill me. And as the dirt kept piling on his back, he shook a little dirt off and stepped up. And then a little bit more dirt fell on him. He shook it off and stepped up until finally he stepped himself out of the well. God doesn't say problems aren't going to come. They are. But you need to reposition, get those problems off of you and step up. These tests that we are walking through are there to move us up, not beat us down. The God of peace has placed Satan under your feet. It doesn't say the God of peace has placed Satan under his feet. It says the God of peace has placed Satan under your feet.
You are under the circumstances because you're allowing yourself to be. Satan has no power over my life except what I give him. Because the blood of Jesus has paid the price for me. I am paid for. I have been given life and life more abundantly because of who Jesus is. When I accept these circumstances that come after me and not see them through God's eyes, then they get a hold of me. Not because of God, because of me. Not because of my boss, not because of my wife, not because of my kids, not because of my parents, because of me. What are you focusing on right now? You know, when you look at these circumstances issues, it's like a mattress. If you lay on top of the mattress, you will rest well. It'll be comfortable, be comfortable on your back, and you'll have good rest. But if you get under the mattress, you're going to suffocate. And that's where we are. We're suffocating because of our circumstances. It's time to get up on top. It's time to get up on top. What are you focusing on? Are you discouraged? If you're discouraged, it's not God. You can't be discouraged and focus on God at the same time. You know who he is. You know what he's done. And he can help you again. You remember Jehoshaphat said, do it again. You've helped us before, God. Do it again. You know, in all this, you don't hear discouragement. You hear reality. Kingdom reality. There's a difference in worldly reality and kingdom reality. He says, I can't do it. But you can. You know what? We've got these problems, men. Let's go talk to the Lord. Really, I need that. I need to, I need to, I need to refocus. The king says, I need to refocus. This looks bad. Let's go refocus. Oh, yeah. I remember what you did, God. Do it again. You know what? He who's done it before will do it again. You turn to God first. You talk to him. You tell him exactly how you feel and you trust him. And look what God's response is in verse 15. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Put your name and your circumstance in this. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid, church on the hill. Because of this vast army, because of this uh, doctor's report you've got, or because of this bill that you've got, or because of the situation in your checkbook, or the situation with your kids, or the situation with your marriage. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this situation. For the battle's not yours, it's God's. The reason we're so fatigued all the time and we're so tired is because we're trying to fight battles that belong to God. That is our biggest problem. We're trying to fight battles that aren't our battles in the first place. They're God's. And when you try to fight them, you get worn out. We assume God's role. We think I will make this work. And out of sheer willpower, we put our head down and our shoulder into it. And we buck up and say, just out of my willpower and my energy, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to resolve my financial difficulties. I'm going to save my marriage. I'm going to turn my kids around. I'm going to make myself a success out of sheer willpower. You're striving and you're fighting. God says, this is not your battle. It's mine. You belong to me. I will fight your battle. 
You know, when I come to Christ and I say, I'm going to serve you. You are my master. I am the servant. You know what happens? The master takes care of the servant. The servant's needs are met by the master. My room, my board, my insurance, my health needs. Every need I have comes under the master's care, control. When I come to Christ, I say, I'm yours. He's assume, he assumes responsibilities for my needs. The battle's not mine anymore. It's his. Every need that we have falls under his care. We're, we're so in need right now, whether it's financial or physical or mental. God says, I've got it. I've got it. But we don't get it. We try to fight these battles. We go out of work and try to work real hard, try to give it our best. And we fail and we disappoint ourselves and we come back with our heads bowed down, our eyes droopy, our tails between our legs. And we walk into God and we say, God, I'm sorry. I've really let you down. I've tried so hard and I've made such a mess of it. I've blown it. I have really let you down. I'm sorry, God. You know what God says? Wait just a minute. You didn't let me down because you don't hold me up. I hold you up. God says, you can't disappoint me. I already know what you're going to do. I know what you've done before you've come to this place. I know what you're going to do next. I know what you're going to do until the end of time. And don't think that God says, oh, my goodness gracious. Look what Paul did last night. I might should I should have reconsidered creating him. God doesn't do that. God know God saved you knowing what you were going to do. God gave everything he had knowing what you were going to do. And we come and we think, we, I've disappointed God. I've let you down. No, God, God holds the universe in the span of his hand. You know what's great is I'm a part of that. I don't hold any part of God. He holds all of me. And he holds every problem. He holds all of your problems. He holds the United States problem. He holds the earth's problem. And it's a little dot in the span of his hand. You think I can't handle what you're going through? You think I can't handle what you're going through? Have you ever thought of that? You don't hold God up. God holds you up. You can't disappoint God because he knows everything. He knows everything. Now, he doesn't like it when we sin, but he knows what you're going to do. Can you follow this? This is a little bit tricky. The sovereign God knows it all. The thing is, if we will come to him with the right heart, that's where grace kicks in. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. It has been given as a free gift to us. My voice is cracking. Maybe that'll lighten things up just a little bit. Hmm. Free gift. And let me tell you, I receive it. God says, practice righteousness. And you will be righteous as I am righteous. That doesn't say you've got to be perfect in order to receive. There was only one perfect one and God knows it. God knows you're not perfect. But when we are trying. Grace and mercy. The throne of God is a throne of mercy and grace. We can't earn it. We can't earn it. 
It's a free gift when you trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You don't hold God up. He holds you up. It's not your battle. It's not your battle. 